Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of One Step Beyond. This is a podcast about transformation through leadership. On our show, we have conversations with people who are creating change in business, in their community, and in their lives by choosing to lead. This is about daring to overcome barriers, push past limitations, and reshape our present and our future. Today, we're talking to Chantel Hennessy, and we're going to be discussing the success mindset. You know, this is a mindset that Chantel's really applied to her own work. And when she told me about it, it just clicked. It made so much sense. And I'm really excited to share this with everyone. To tell you a bit about Chantel, she's an LA-based producer. And she's currently taking up residence at Netflix Animation Studios in Hollywood. She's a 20-year vet of the entertainment industry and has produced hundreds of hours of television and streaming content been a music journalist, and in 2007 co-founded the Vancouver artist collective Nobasura. Chantel is also a UK expat, and when not making cartoons or scribbling stories, she's enjoying the sweet, sweet sounds of punk rock and the company of her two dogs, Frankie Stein and Stella Lugosi, who are super cute. Uh, she's also one of my fellow vegan straight-edge people, so you know, a little shout-out to the crew there. So before we get started, I want to thank our sponsors, SE Electronics. And if you haven't yet, then please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. So let's get to the episode. I'm your host, Aram Arslanian, and this is One Step Beyond. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show, and Chantel, welcome. Thanks, Aram. It's great to be here today. Yeah, well, I'm really excited about our conversation. So, like I mentioned in our intro, today we're talking about the success mindset. And, you know, for most professionals, they have some kind of way of thinking that helps them take on the day and really propel themselves. Specific to you and why I wanted us to talk is because you've got a really cool and interesting career path, and I want to hear about that as we speak. But right off the hop, how would you define a successful mindset? What does that mean for you? For me, it starts with the germ of curiosity. And I have taken a minute to sort of step back and try to look at why my path has gone the way it has and what kind of things came innately to me that I can just put into words. And I would say that what I've defined it as for me is called all caps. Mm -hmm. Um. And all caps to me means something super obnoxious that someone types in an email that drives you bonkers, but it stays in your head. And so for me, oftentimes I need to be reminded to stay focused on my path in spite of things that get thrown in your way, whether that's pandemics or trouble at work or personal life issues. It's to just always find a way to get back to center and to stay focused. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is... I can dive into what all caps means to me mm-hmm. uh, in terms of how that breaks down. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. Just as a funny like sidebar, when you said all caps and like it made me instantly think of people that you know I've met in the punk scene. Typically, people who are a little bit on the like more thuggish side, for whatever mm-hmm. reason, they seem to write in the internet using all caps, and yeah. I never like I'm always <laughs> like, what? 
where is the shift key on your computer? Do you not like remember where that is? Yeah. And it's like that constant internet yelling or like the emails yeah. where someone like capitalizes words. It's like, yeah, just calm down. <laughs> I know calm what down. always means. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's definitely, I have experienced plenty of that in my day, in my career. Um, absolutely. A lot of those all caps emails where it drives me absolutely bonkers because, okay, slow your roll. I'm getting what you're saying. You don't have to type it and yell at me. But it's kind of interesting how that sort of come about because of how the changes in how we communicate, mm-hmm. you know, through emails and how tone is important and being thoughtful about how you write an email. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I've been in entertainment for 20 years. So, you know, admittedly, I see things through the lens of how we deal with issues in the entertainment business. And there certainly can be yelling and all caps emails may drive you nuts, but you sure pay attention. Totally. For me, I think I really just need to constantly find a way to come back to center and focus on a methodology that works for me. Okay. So when I sat down to define, and it's all caps with two Ps. So I tried to make it not too obnoxiously the traditional all caps, but with two Ps. Right. And and we'll have that like we'll have that available for everyone. And, you know, on, on our site, we'll define it the way that you define it. Sure. Let's hit on two things. First, tell us about this center, because you say you keep talking about getting back to center, which I love. Like that's part of my way that I look at keeping my mindset like really clear. But you actually have a specific methodology called all caps that you've come up with with two P's. Yes, so let, let's talk about that first, if you could define that. And then I'd love sure. to hear about your career path. So let's start with all caps. So in terms of CAPS, CAPS is the core of it all. So CAPS, the C stands for curiosity. So for me, everything starts with an idea, with a question to yourself, with a question to those around you, with a question to the universe. What can I do? What do I want to do? What's interesting to me? How do I, how do I move my life forward? What do I want to do next? So everything that is created comes from a germ of an idea. So it's about being curious, um, staying interested and invested in, in your future. Um, I mean, as a kid, when I would listen to a record, I was not just listening to the record, but I was also curious about how did that sound get to my ears? So that was something else that I've always been doing that's innately been in me since I was a child is just why, who, what, when, where, much to the chagrin, I'm sure, of parents and teachers <laughs> and, um, you know, plenty of people in my periphery is like, no, I need to know why. I, I don't want you to tell me just what, I want to know why. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this always questioning why and what and what's possible has been where um, that's driven me to get to where I am today is starting with that germ of an idea and never really thinking that anything is out of reach. But not in the sense that, um, you know, I know I can't be Mariah Carey, nor do I want to be, but mm. what are my personal strengths and what can I lean into that I know I'm really good at? Um, you know, when I was a kid in school, I was terrible at math, but I was great at English. I was great at typing. I was great at creative writing. Um, so I leaned into those tendencies and I didn't become a scientist because I knew that my gifts were not in that place. So it's really, it's listening to your instinct and leaning into the things that not necessarily are the easiest lift, but are more to your nature. Yeah, totally. So that's my C. Okay. So the the A is agility. So what agility is, is 
a combination of things. It's about staying aware of your environment. It's about when you move into a different space, as you're moving throughout your career, keeping an eye out for what's going on in your current setting, whether it be your career setting or what's going on around you to see what opportunities might present themselves to get you to ultimately where you want to go on your journey. For me, I was always interested in working in entertainment. I was interested in becoming a producer. I was interested in living in Los Angeles. And these were things that I knew from an early, um, these are things that just came really natural to me in terms of passions. Uh, I was never interested in cartoons, and yet this is my living as I work and make animation. I always thought I'd be doing something more in the musical space, but I've definitely had ways to, you know, unite those passions. Um, so the agility is just looking out for opportunities within your space to move towards uh, what might be intriguing to you. Mm. Okay. So that's, that's the agility. Um, performance is one of the P's. So performance isn't just about working hard. And we've heard this expression so many times. It's about working smart as well as working hard. I've seen plenty of people move quickly up the ladder. Um, simply by knowing how to work their angles with schmoozing or posturing or whatnot. Um, and so it's not always about working hard. It's about finding like-minded people that you're working for that um, appreciate what you bring to the table. And I've been in plenty of spaces over the course of my career where I have worked hard for the wrong people. So that's something that I've definitely come across where you know, I once had an experience when I, I was working in a TV network uh, where the person who had hired me had said to me, Chantal, if I knew you were so ambitious, I never would have hired you. Oof. Yeah. And that wasn't the only time I've ever heard things like that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, you know, I took a detour. Um, I had worked in animation for a number of years. I, you know, I've had a, a very interesting uh, career path. Um, and some of it I've made some missteps, some of it I've made really great decisions. Um, but the missteps I've, I've genuinely learned as much from as I have from the, the good decisions. But one of the bad decisions was working, I took a detour to work in live action, which is something that was new to me as I'd worked in animation for a really long time and I wanted to see how the other half lived. And um, I was offered a position at a, at a network um, you know, under the auspices of, oh, your writing is really going to help you. And, oh, you're going to be perfect for this job. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this is fantastic. I get to flex my muscles. I'm trying something new. I'm expanding my mind. This is brilliant. Day one, I sat down and was told, honey, you're here to get me coffee. No. <laughs> yes. That's terrible. Uh, yep. It was. No, no, I don't want you to do all that. I want you to do this one thing. It's, you're here to get me coffee. You're here to be my assistant. Um, slow your roll. Wow. Um, and I was pretty, um, I was pretty gobsmacked by that. And what's crazy about it is that I ended up staying in that job for five years. Wow. Yeah. And part of that came from the fact that I, you know, I'd taken this detour. I realized I'd screwed up. I hadn't done my due diligence. Um, you know, I hadn't done my research on the role. Oftentimes, this isn't, you know, I'm sure many people have had the experience where you're hired for a particular role, and then when you actually get in there, it's not quite what you had anticipated, maybe not quite what you had projected it to be. 
Um, you know, sometimes it's a matter of us projecting what it might be. Sometimes it's a matter of us kind of getting a false bill of sale, but I think it's about 50-50 a lot of the time. And so I took that moment to just, I took some time to just sit down, reflect, and figure out how I got here, how I get out of this, and what do I make the best of during this time that I have. So that's sort of, that's, so, so the other P is persistence. So persistence, it really just means to me putting the effort in the right place. So you're going to hit walls. That's natural. Anything that you really are passionate about that you want to do, it's going to take effort. You're going to hit walls. There are going to be obstacles. But man, some days are going to be amazing. Some days are going to be amazing. Some days are going to be awful. So trying to really um, identify if your pros and cons start shifting, if the balance goes in the opposite direction where your, your cons are outweighing the pros, then you really have to take stock and think and ask yourself if you're putting your effort in the right direction, if you're with people um, who you can naturally align with who will recognize that value and that effort you're putting in. And if not, and um, that moves me to the S and the caps is you either shift or you, sh you shine or you shift. If you find that there's the opportunity for you to shine where, okay, you see this glimmer of I'm working with like-minded individuals. Maybe I'm not exactly where I want to be yet, but I can see that happening. And I, I have trust built with this group I'm working with. Then there's the opportunity to shine. If you find yourself You've exhausted all options. You've tried everything you possibly can to make this work, but you are not working in the right place. You're not being recognized for what you're bringing to the table. Move on. It's okay to move on. It's okay to do that. Like, give yourself permission. You're building relationships over the course of your career with a lot of different people. And like any relationships, you're not always gonna, there's not always gonna be synergy. It's not always gonna be simpatico. But ultimately, for me, my goal is to find my tribe. It is to find people that I enjoy working with. And if I can't find it in an organization, you build your own business. Mm -hmm. That's what you do. That's how, I, that's how I perceive it to be. But I think that many of us and my five-year stint at that, you know, data network job was me kind of, I went a little too far into how can I make it better? Who can I talk to? What can I do? How can I be creative? I know I can make this awesome. There's so much opportunity here. Yeah. I was reaching out to various people in the company. I was pitching ideas. But at the end of the day, there was one roadblock, which was my boss who had hired me and said, if I knew you had so much ambition, I never would have hired you. Why on earth would you stay committed in that kind of a relationship? If you're a person who has passion for life and for work and wants to grow, um, you know, sometimes there are just people who are in certain positions for an extended period of time who really aren't keen to see spark, who aren't keen to see that ambition. And m many of the times you're not going to get past that wall no matter how hard you try. And man, I have been in many a position and, and coming to L.A. as well. Um, over the last eight years, I've worked with a lot of different groups. Um, and some I've definitely found simpatico, um, but some not so much. So that's my all caps. So curiosity, agility, performance, persistence, and shine or get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> shine or shift. 
I love it. And like, and I also like the, I like the all caps again. I'm laughing because I'm thinking (laughs) kind of like thuggish, like hardcore guys, like like hammering their keyboards, typing all caps, but really like it's all encompassing and caps, curiosity, agility, performance, persistence, and either you shine or you shift. It's interesting to me when we talk about like a success mindset, because especially being in the business that I'm in, I always hear people. It's like, well, so-and-so doesn't have the right mindset. And I say, okay, well, what do you mean by that? And they almost can never answer. It's almost like when people, yeah, like when people say, you know, someone needs to be more strategic and I say, okay, well, what do you mean by strategic? Give me an example. And there's just like dead silence. And then sometimes I'll literally say, did it just feel good to say? Like, did it feel good inside to say strategic? <laughs> like, yeah, it, it did. I, 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 that's what I want. I, I know what yeah. I feel, but I don't know how to explain it. And it's often mm-hmm. the same with mindset. And what really stood out to um, Patrick when he was um, doing some prep with you, um, and for everyone who doesn't know, Patrick produces the show, was the, oh, hi, Patrick. He's sitting across from me now. Um, <laughs> the lovely fellow, uh, Patrick. <laughs> lovely fellow. Great mindset, that guy. Very strategic. Very strategic. Uh, <laughs> He was really impressed by how you've defined it and that it's like, you've really like operationalized like a mindset, you know, it's all encompassing curiosity, agility, performance, persistence, shine or shift. And I think that's super cool. It's a really brilliant way of thinking about it. So I've got a bunch of questions about it. First of all, though, let's start with just r- really quickly and kind of focus on the, on the parts that you think are, are pertinent to the development of this mindset. Tell us about your career path. So how did you get to where you are now? Well, that, that's an interesting story. Um, I, when I graduated high school, I basically moved out of my small town and into downtown Vancouver with a, um, with a toolkit that was writing. And it was, I was really good at writing. I was really good at typing. I was creative. I loved music. I had no idea what the heck I wanted to do. Um, So I went through a series of like various jobs, just kind of testing out what might be interesting to me and basically networking um, over the course of my 20s, all while partying a lot um, (laughs) and trying to figure out my father was a prison officer. So my I grew up a very sheltered life. So I spent a lot of time learning about what the other kids were doing while I was doing my homework. Um, So that was part of it. And then ironically. Um, so I was at, I used to go to this bar in Vancouver called the Niagara and I would watch a lot of punk rock shows there. And I met this girl who was a bartender and she said, Hey, I know this guy who's starting up an animation studio. Um, would you be interested in, um, meeting him and seeing if you guys might want to work together? I think you might dig his vibe. And I thought, sure, why not? Um, let's go meet this guy. So I go to this office um, on Hastings Street, and I meet this fellow by the name of Danny Antonucci, um, who was creating a show called Ed, Ed, and Eddie, and he was starting up a new studio called AKA Cartoon. And I go into the interview, and I see this guy is covered in tattoos, chain-smoking, and um, he puts down a case of beer and a pack of cigarettes on the table, and, and I think that was my test. It was like, Do you wanna, are you going to have a smoke and a drink with me? And so I was like, sure, I can, I can do this. I'm, I'm cool. So I lit up a cigarette. I had a beer and then he said, do you want to work in animation? And I went, yes, I do. Mm. And so that's how I wouldn't have made the cut. I would have been out the door. I've been like, who's this straight edge joker? Get rid of this guy. Good for you. Okay. So that was the start. 
That was a start, and that's also why I'm straight edge now, is because I spent plenty of my time in my 20s uh, experimenting, <laughs> um, making up for lost time. Um, so I lit up the cigarette, I had a, I had a beer, and um, I took a job as a receptionist, Girl Friday, um, marketing manager, what do you need at the studio? Um, and that was the first job I ever had in animation, and I absolutely loved Danny. I thought he was such an interesting fellow. He was a real badass um but he he was really fascinating and it was interesting to watch uh so i that was my first gig in animation um and from then on i just i went through i moved on to a new studio mainframe which created reboot and was a big pioneer in cg animation and at the time i was still pretty junior and i had a coordinator position at the studio and then one day someone came up to me and said hey the ceo of the company is looking for an assistant would you be interested and I went, hmm, I know who this guy is. He's pretty cool. He, he's been inducted into the Smithsonian. He's a pioneer. He's a visionary. He's a really fascinating character. I've, he's got a reputation for being gruff, but he also plays guitar. And um, he's British. I think we could probably get along. You know, obviously, I have to think peripherally about all these things. Are we going to vibe? Is this a good career move? I mean, they're entwined, right? Hmm. So I, um, I met this fellow, uh, and I... I just absolutely adored him. I thought he was fantastic. And I thought about the opportunity um, because it was going to take me off what is like more of a natural path when you're in production where you're, you know, you're a PA, you're a coordinator, you're a production manager, and then eventually you get to become a producer. And this is sort of a sidestep. Um, and so many people in production said to me, are you crazy? Like you're basically taking a ridiculous step. You're going to become an assistant. You're on this path. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to become an assistant to a guy who is a pioneer who like, I'm going to learn more from him just by being in his orbit. Even if I'm getting him coffee, um, then I will on the path I'm on. This is an amazing opportunity. And so it was instinct and peripheral vision that made me take that jump. And from that, that was one of the best decisions, if not the best decision I made in my career was to take a step off a traditional path. And I went to work for this fellow. His name was Ian. Um, and I just had the most exciting time. I didn't just make him coffee. I didn't just get him lunches. I knew I'd have a ton of extra time on my hands. I wasn't a traditional assistant. So I read books and I studied him and I got to know his, his process, his creative thinking. I got to know his contacts. I got to know the world that the way he saw the world in my career from his vantage point. Um, and, you know, over the course of time, it's a public company, executives move on. Um, and when he eventually left, my next opportunity was in doing something that I really wanted to do. And I was on a plane to LA um, to meet with Gene Simmons uh, to work with him and another executive on uh, development of a Kiss cartoon series. So, for me Wait a taking... second. Hold, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah. You're saying that you went to go meet with Gene Simmons? Yeah. How was that? It was unreal. Um, at the time, and I ended up working with him for six months. Uh -huh. Yeah. So it was fascinating. So myself and this other executive that I work with, who is someone who has really helped shepherd me through my career, if I can drop a name, his name is Dan DiDio, and he was, mm -hmm. he's just an amazing human. Um, he was recently the co-publisher of DC Comics, but he's someone who I've known for a million years, and he's a fantastic fellow. Um, and he had seen how hard I'd been hustling behind the scenes working with my boss, 
not just being an assistant, but doing all these other things. And he said, okay, I know how passionate you are about music. I know, I know you know the subject matter probably better than I do. Um, so let's go to, let's go to Los Angeles together. We're meeting with, with Gene Simmons. We're going to meet him at this restaurant. Then we're going to go back to his house. He's going to load you up with Kiss comic books. Um, and you're going to go back to Vancouver and start downloading that information. And, and you're going to help me put together a pitch package for this series that Gene wanted to develop, uh, to develop, which was based on the elder, um, which it didn't end up manifesting, but my God, I'm on a plane to LA to just, hang out with Gene Simmons. It was surreal. Um, I was pretty shy when I arrived there. I was pretty nervous. I was looking around like, how is this happening to me? Like, how is this happening right now that I'm sitting in a restaurant in Los Angeles with Gene Simmons? Like, what? I then kind of had this moment of like, okay, I put it out to the universe. These are the things I want to do. I want to work in entertainment. I want to work in music. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I'm going to look for the opportunities that kind of ultimately feed into that somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the next few months, I worked with um, him um, on this pitch package. And then I was off to Las Vegas with my executive, Dan and, and Jean, um, as well as um, another group I was working with, which was the Fleischer family uh, who created Betty Boop. Mm-hmm. And I got to meet Richard Fleischer, who also directed Soylent Green, one of my favorite movies, The Legend. Um, again, circling back, all these things happen because I took a chance on something that was unorthodox. Yeah. Um, additionally, I ended up hanging out with Tim Curry, who's also one of my great heroes. And my, you know, my credo has always been, don't dream it, be it. And I'm meeting Tim Curry, and I'm, I'm spending time with him. And... Uh, all of these truly bizarre things I, I only dreamed of as a kid were manifesting, and it all came from one decision that everyone told me, you're crazy for doing. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Let's, All right, so. You, yeah. You do that. Gene Simmons, the whole thing, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't fully work out. I can't yeah. believe I didn't know this about you, which is like, this yeah. is part of why I love interviewing people that I, that I know over the years. All right, so what what came after that, though? So that didn't work out, okay. but what was the next step? So I was working in development. We were working on various projects. Um, Gene was just one of them. Betty Boop was another. But over the course of the time that I was working in development on this stuff, the the organization, the people that I were work, was working with within that company ended up leaving, and I just felt like I didn't want to be there without them. It just mm-hmm. felt like it wasn't the same place that I had come up in that I was passionate about. Um, you know, the leadership that I was really connected to. And so I decided to move on. And that is when I decided, let's try something completely different. And let's go try for that network job. That was going to be a great segue to use my writing and all my great talents, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and to flex my creative muscle, uh, which ended up being writing a lot of rejection letters, uh, taking a lot of verbal abuse from people who were posturing as producers who wanted to talk to somebody important, um, you know, and ultimately being a coffee girl. And I was just, it felt like a bit of a gut punch. So that was one of those times where I was just, okay, maybe I'm being a little cocky. Maybe I need to just do a bit more due diligence on steps that I take and not be as reactive. Um, And I learned a lot from just thinking what I was getting into um, you know, what, maybe it was my projection of what I wanted to see in that role. That was part of it. 
Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was in that space for a while, but what I did during that time was I, I can't sit idle. Um, and so I did spend a bit of time finally working on my personal life. I bought some property. I had a boyfriend at the time. And so I didn't, I wasn't working 24 hours a day. So I was trying to think, okay, maybe it's kind of nice to just take a breath. Um, and figure out what other things I might want to apply myself to. So during the course of that time, I ended up working on a business project with my brother. So my brother is a really talented makeup artist and art director, and um, he's a fantastic guy. And we've always wanted to work together on a project. We're trying to figure out what it was. Um, and so um, my brother had this idea of doing an artist collective um, that he called No Basura, mm -hmm. which is no, no trash. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, yeah, we like our, our funny names. So Novasura is the name of the business. And, um, we built an artist collective, which was focusing, my brother's from the, you know, he's from the uh, fashion industry. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we were focusing on, you know, basically working with photographers and makeup artists and hairstylists and creative directors for various photo shoots. So I helped him with his passion project. We built the business out, um, and we got things set up. And, you know, uh, sometimes siblings, not always the best to work together. Um, you know, so we worked together. We wanted to preserve our relationship. Yeah. And, um, you know, fashion and all of that stuff wasn't really my favorite thing to do. Um, not really big into some of the egos attached to that vibe for myself. Um, I was a little bit more, um, I don't know what's the word. I was going to say rustic, but I don't think I'm rustic. Maybe rusty. Uh, maybe too rusty or old. <laughs> Uh, but I was having a hard time putting up with some of the drama. So I went, bro, you got this. Um, and he continued on with that business and it's still thriving today. But I went back to my love of animation and what drew me back was the people. And, you know, I'm a fan of art. I'm an artist in my own right. Um, and I was drawn back to the environment there. Um, so went back to um, my old alma mater mainframe. Worked there for a while, moved on to producing at different studios, and then ultimately, um, my partner at the time, he was American, and uh, we had gotten married, and we said, hey, why not move to California? Um, let's do it. We don't. We didn't have kids, and we were very mobile, and we were both working in the industry. He as a storyboard artist, and he's a producer, and so we thought, you know, most of the work that we had done was coming from the U.S., so let's go to the source of it all and let's make a little bit more money and be in the sunshine. And so we um, went through the course of immigration and ultimately ended up in L.A. eight years ago. And I was going to take a bit of a sabbatical when I got here, um, but ended up working right away. Um, and I've been working in a few different studios over the course of time and landed myself at Netflix um, in the last couple of years, which has been pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting. Very cool. That's a, it's a long really and cool winded. <laughs> no, that was, that was perfect. And of course, like parts of it, I know because, you know, I, I known you, uh, to a degree in Van when you were in Vancouver and then gotten yeah. to know you a bit at a distance as you're living in LA. So mm -hmm. super cool story. All right. I got all sorts of questions now. Please. All right. Uh oh. I know very few truly, truly successful people that haven't had that kind of like misstep that that almost like that dead time in your career like yeah. for in my own career I remember I was working as a therapist and I had like a five-year role as a therapist and I was killing it and I was doing really good and then I went to go work um, in uh, low barrier housing and it was like 
the worst, what I felt was like the worst career misstep I ever took was working yeah. there. And I, I was like, God, I should have stayed as a therapist. I should have stayed in this role. I yeah. worked at the, in this like bad situation, but it was cool. I learned a ton. And I also learned that like desperate feeling like, yes, oh crap, I have screwed up my career. Mm-hmm. And that deep desperation of like, what am I going to do? And then the, how grateful I was when I got a proper role again. And then what that led to, like, it really exactly. like recentered me. So I think that that step you took for that five years, that makes a lot of sense. Um, what I know about really successful, thoughtful people, but let's get to it very specifically. When I think sure. of all caps, it's a really fascinating way to look at like a success mindset. Curiosity obviously played like a real role right mm-hmm. off the bat, like right from when you were young. So tell me about like how curiosity has really helped your career. Well, it's what it's done is, is really been a constant source of, of spark for me um, that I've never really settled into one particular thing. Curiosity has helped me as I've gone to work with different groups over the course of time. And most recently in LA, um, where I've gone into these different organizations and I've explored the job and tried to make something more of it. Um, you know, where I'm always questioning, what can I do better? How can I improve myself? It's not always curiosity about changing externally. It's about what you're changing internally mm. because it's, you know, oftentimes you find people who go into these companies and they, they know everything about everything. They can change everything. They can make it better, but they fail to take the time to sort of absorb the environment. So when I will go into a group, I'll, I'll take the time to get to know people. Um, I'm curious about what they do, why they do it, um, what motivates them. I get to know that environment. And then um, that's where, you know, where it starts for me in any new experience. And that was like the same with my misstep where I took that opportunity and I went, okay, shoot, what have I done? Much to your example, I just felt oh my God, I have, I am never getting my career back. I am just done. Like, this is it. Um, but I knew there had to be a way. I knew there had to be a way out. And I think it comes from like just the hunger and desperation, like you're saying, where, you know, I grew up as a poor kid. Um, everything is transient, you know, like more now more than ever. We know that for me, I, I've always seen security as a construct. You never know what tomorrow is going to hold. And, and, with the pandemic, you see plenty of people who were on a path who thought they had it all figured out, just being, you know, out of work or having to completely change their careers. So curiosity is, is coupled with hunger. It's about like that, that instinct to survive and thrive. Um, that's what it is for me where I thought I think back to, yeah, I was a kid on welfare you know, I didn't have anything and I didn't know what to do. I didn't have post-secondary education. I just had my wits and, and I tried to figure it all out as I went. And, you know, I, I just kind of winged a lot of things. Um, yeah. But I, I love that. And like something that I often say to people, it sounds so grim when I say it, but I, I mean it. Security is an illusion. Yep. You know, like the constructs, like if you look at a wall, like a wall is a wall. Like, wow, it's a wall. It's a well-built yeah. wall. It's solid. You know what? That wall's not going to exist in 100 years. That wall's probably not going to exist in 50 years. It might not exist in five years. It might not exist in five minutes. Yeah. Like security is based on the, the illusion that things are, they themselves are permanent. Yep. Yeah. And we see companies fail. We see things, jobs disappear. We see, we see industries disappear, like all of these mm-hmm. things. 
And uh, I love that idea that curiosity is really what allows someone to um, not just survive, but thrive. Mm -hmm. And you thrive if you stay curious. Yeah. Especially if you felt that desperation before. Yeah. Like you, once you've had that feeling in you and you know, you know how bad it can get and you felt that desperation, you're like, I never want to be in that situation again. So, you know, no matter what job that I do or what career path I've taken, I've always got my ears open and I'm always hyper aware of environments um, and, and not in a fickle way where you're ready to leap because something else, some shiny penny comes in front of you. Mm-hmm. But you have to be sort of aware of your surroundings. And the truth is, you know, um, you may not have a job tomorrow. You just don't know. Um, mm-hmm. And like I'm saying, especially with this pandemic situation, you know, we've just in our industry and in animation, we've just recently seen, you know, Blue Sky, which was a huge animation arm of Disney, just recently shutter and 450 people are out of jobs. And, you know, one of the things that was talked about at the beginning of this pandemic situation is that, wow, it's great to be in animation because live action shut down because it couldn't function um, because people had to be live and on set. Whereas for my industry, you know, I was down for three days of non-productivity. And then I was set up remotely by my company to work. I did not stop moving. Nothing has stopped moving. And so in my mind, like there's a sort of the illusion out there that look, and like, I hear this in my parents as well. Oh, your industry is like so thriving. You're always going to have a job. I'm like, well, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. You just don't know. You, it, you can't bank on those things all the time. So you have to stay nimble. You have mm-hmm. to stay aware. Um, you know, and, and one thing about being in LA is like, it, it's got a reputation for a reason. You know, I work in entertainment in Hollywood. Um, it's a it's a land of sharks and that is no joke like it is no joke and i have worked in entertainment in canada and the us and most of my career was in canada and there's definitely a difference um there's definitely a difference it's it's a lot of hustle um and you got to watch your back yeah. <laughs> so. well no like for real and i'll i'll add in something or something really specifically around curiosity like i know like to the listener it might be like well, stay curious. Like, duh, of course. Yeah. Well, no, like, actually, hold on. I, I, one of my clients that I work with who's in a career transition now had worked in a, like, kind of a top job in a, in a business unit and had been, like, the, the person there. Yeah. And realized as, like, the structures changed around them, like, their, their company, who had been, like, a 100-year-old company, got acquired by a bigger company, and they went from being, like, the person to being, like, kind of like, eh, you know, there's that person, they're kind of like of the old school, they're yep. kind of archaic in their thing. And they went from having all this power and influence and all this to actually being kind of a, I don't have a career path. Yeah. So they, so this is like major company acquisition. And this was one of the top people in the old company, kind of screwed career wise and still had many years left in their career, um, was very lucky to get, not very lucky because this person is a wonderful professional. But yeah. they ended up getting a new job, but they had to like fight tooth and nail to get it, had to yeah. like do all this stuff. And the interesting thing is we were talking recently and this person was like, you know, I realize I'd stop being curious. Like I developed a skill set, like a very yeah. specific way I did things. And now that I'm in this new job, I'm growing more than I've grown in forever. Yeah. I just realized I'd stopped, I'd stopped developing personally. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a really interesting thing because... Of course, people are like, oh, I'm going to be curious. Really? Like, are you constantly sharpening your axe? Are you constantly growing, staying aware of your environment, like pushing yourself? Because if not, 
that thing that seems secure could be gone in a heartbeat. Yeah, and, and curious as an action. It's yeah. it's not just a it's not just a passing thought. It's an action as well. It, it action attached to curiosity, because you know one thing that I definitely came across in some of the companies that I've worked for in the states. I'll use the states in particular because it's the most recent examples. But I've gone into these big companies and I've asked questions about you know why things operate this way, and I've brought a lot of experience to to bear. I've worked in animation in a multitude of studios over the years, so I'm coming at these questions with a level of experience that I'm applying there, not just a, hey, why don't you do it this way? It's like, no, no, okay, I have an idea. This worked at this other studio. And the responses from some of these groups and about these particular people, um, you know, who may not be curious because they've been lulled into some sense of complacency is we just do it that way. Okay, well, my next question is, is it working? And they say, not really. And I said, well, then why don't you change it? Well, because we've always done it that way. And you get into this loop of like, okay, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to rationalize what you're trying to improve something that people just don't want to do because they're just used to that way of doing it. And they've been at this company for 25 years. But to your point about um, the executive you were talking about, um, you know, in similar ways, I, I, over the course of time, I built really good relationships with a myriad of people that I've worked with. Um, whether they're a PA, whether they're, you know, a head of a company, whatever, everyone to me is exactly the same. We're all human. Nobody gets treated differently as far as I'm concerned. So what's interesting to me is that many of the people that over the course of my career, I've been reaching out to regarding opportunities who were heads of companies at the time that I worked for and I built relationships with, they find themselves out of work and coming to me saying, hey, can you help me? get in the door somewhere else, you know, and I definitely see there is a degree of ageism, you know, um, I, you know, like I said, I've worked in this industry for so long, I don't even remember what it was like outside of it. And I'm sure this applies to many industries. Um, but in the creative industry that I'm in, it's like, we're, you know, our showrunners and our, um, the people that are leading the creative are 20 years old, you know, 25 years old, 20 to 30 years old. And, anyone that's sort of um, we're attempting to bring into the fold who may have experience to bear is sort of looked at as an old fuddy-duddy. They may have a ton of experience. Um, they may be excellent at their job, but they're sort of given the side eye of, you know, so, you know, I work hard to represent all types of people, you know, because there's definitely value in someone with a ton of experience. And there's definitely someone who's a puppy coming out of art school who's just got these great ideas, but you also need someone to harness them. You know, you need someone to help them realize those, those, those ideas. And that's part of what I do as a producer is, you know, work with young talent to help them realize their vision and get that on screen. But yeah, I, I definitely see, um, you know, the shift and I, the people that I came up with who were PAs when I worked with them are now, you know, VPs and all of that. And it makes me really happy to have seen them grow. Um, but it, it's so, it's been odd for me in the last few years to see that shift of the people that I would look up to and be looking to, can you help me get in a door here? Or, you know, finding connections are coming to me saying, I'm out of work. I'm like, yeah. how can you be out of work? <laughs> You're so talented and experienced and you have so much. Like, how can this be? Yeah. Um, you know, and then you see it all around you. Why? You know, yeah, it's a yeah. perception. So True. I'm always trying to work to represent all kinds of people and be that spokesperson wherever I can. 
Because I'm right in the middle. I'm 49 yeah. years old. I'm like the oldest person in my studio right now. <laughs> yeah, totally. I know. I am the same. Like I am in the spot. Okay. Let's go. Let's go to agility. So if we're thinking about your career path, like mm-hmm. where has agility played into this, into your storied career? Um, it is, again, it kind of goes back to just looking out for those opportunities and taking those chances and um, being nimble and realizing that if it's not working, don't continue to beat your head against the wall. Um, you can beat it into the wall until you get a nick. But if you're smashing your, ha- your head into that wall constantly, it's not working. Are you more, are you happy? Are you feeling like the people around you are like-minded people? Or are you just driving yourself nuts and no one is listening to you? It's about, to me, that's the agility. Or, you know, once you get into a particular job, if your mindset that you've come in with, um, I feel like all of us can use, we're cons- I, I want to always be evolving. I never want to just be fixed in my ideas. I want to constantly learn and grow um, and get better. I feel like I don't think there's one person on the planet who couldn't learn something on the daily about something in their lives. And so to me, to be able to, I need to shift my mindset sometimes. Something that I'm used to doing because I've done this thing for so long and these things are kind of driven into my DNA, whether it's how to produce something or how to direct something. you know, there's always someone who has another idea and it's about paying attention and thinking, hey, actually, that's a good idea. I could try something different. Mm-hmm. So it's about like not always being so fixed in how you think everything should be done. You really need to be nimble mm-hmm. if you want to stay relevant. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're going to get phased out. Yeah. Well, and if I think of uh, the work that Cadence does, so if I think yeah. of uh, like our world, it's like, man, you know, you can have like, here's my five-step program of leadership. It's like, really? Like, get out of here. It's yeah. so dated and boring. Yeah. Like, you got to be able to move and flex with what people need. Even, like, I, I liked when we were talking earlier just about, like, email, all caps emails. Like, yeah. one of the things I think about is, like, current writing practices have evolved quite a bit. I think email is the most dangerous place in the professionally for a communication standpoint. But if yeah. you're good at writing email... Man, there's very few barriers that stand in your way if you if you write a lot of emails and you're good at it. It's true. So like simple things like, you know, like you learn how to write in, in high school or university, but mm-hmm. like if you can adapt that and really be successful at it in the workplace, that's like mm-hmm. a huge, huge bonus. So being able to be agile and nimble and move and like learn and, and, and yep. kind of grow in that space is massive. It's true. And you're right. Like, you know, as I was saying earlier on, you know, when I sort of left high school, I went, okay, what tools do I know I have? I can write and I can type. And like, to your point right now, it's like email is the most valuable thing we have in terms of a form of communication. And, you know, I've taught people over the course of my career, this is how you write an email. This is how you solicit the response. These are the words you choose. Everything is very specific in how I write every single email. And you know, as a producer, you're part of your job as a politicking. Um, you know, that's that's just what I do every day. But it's but also for me, the way that I communicate, I come from an authentic place. Um, I'm not someone who's I'm not a publicist, but I'm a producer, and so everything that I write comes from a genuine place. But there's also, um, but yeah, you're teaching someone how to solicit the response they need, or the person on the receiving end. You want them to feel good about the the information you're communicating, whether that information is not so great, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it's in how you um, present the language. So 
I think that's definitely been a tool that I've had that I've had to hone over time, but that's something that I've always loved writing and now I get to write every day. It's just not always necessarily the creative ghost story I might have wanted to write, but a detail about why you're over budget or what you didn't do today. Um, but, but it's still writing. So, I mean, let's not, yeah, like, let's not undervalue that skill set. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing about like agility and why I love seeing this in here. You know, the amount of people that I work with who don't want to just, well, I just don't want to change that thing. Well, why not? Like, you know, when people confuse preference with authenticity, it's like what I, I just prefer to do something. Well, then just own it. I just prefer to do it that way because I'm, I'm attached to it or I'm lazy or I'm convinced that my way is the best. That's fine. But own that. Yeah. Don't call it authentic because there's two different, there's a difference there between preference and authenticity. So I think real agility is something that is like hugely beneficial, whether it's like how you interact, how you, how you view your career, how you, what your process is, or something as simple as writing an email. All right. Let's hear about performance though, because you know, that sounds simple. Like okay, yeah. you do good work and you get good results, but listening to your career path, it sounds like you come from a different place on that. I do because you know, one of the things that I've definitely experienced, and again, like I'll always preface it by saying I've been in entertainment for 20 years, so I'm coming through uh, through that lens, but is that you may be working hard for the wrong people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there, there are a lot of cliques in this business where, you know, a lot of people get further by posturing um, than they do by performing. So it's about, for me, I go in and I hustle hard. I have a good work ethic. I feel good working hard, um, you know, but I'm also, you know, I also, I've had a couple of times where I had people come to me and say, you work too hard for this kind of a company. They'll never appreciate that. And these are big companies. And I'm wondering, why the hell would you not value that? It's like, no, no, no. Everybody just spends the time all day, just kind of glad handing each other and not really doing that much work. I'm like, maybe my career path may have gone a lot faster had I been good at that, but I would not have liked myself very much. And so I could have, sure, maybe I could have been a producer doing what I do like 10 years ago, but I've seen people move up that fast and fall on their faces or be really terrible leaders because they're so insecure. And I've had those leaders myself where, you know, they constantly have imposter syndrome and, and they're so nervous about your performance showing them up and then losing their jobs, you know, or being shown up for that. So, you know, I had did have one boss say that to me, you're working too hard. You're making me look bad. I want to go home. And I'm like, well, you go home, but I'm trying to make you look good. So, you know, I'm working hard. I'm performing. So it's about, you know, I, I put in the work, but I also have to realize at a certain point, if I'm working hard for the right people and if I'm working smart, yeah, that's, and that's, thing. It's so valuable. Like I, I think of that, like working right hard for the right people. And if I think like back it over my career, I'm like, damn, man, <laughs> like, I've definitely spent some time. Like was that one detour I was telling you about where I, I took this yeah. job and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I, I can't believe I took this job. And it was the nature of the work was good, but the company and the organization and the leaders I was working for, I was like, oh my God, like I'm killing myself. And all yeah. of us, all these people were killing ourselves. For this organization that literally once we drop, yeah, once we drop dead, they'd be like, okay, next. And yeah. it's like, it's a bit of a meat grinder. And it's that idea that like performance shouldn't just be working hard, get good results. There's got to be something like a little bit more thoughtful from that. So I love, I love your look on it. All right. Persistence. Second P. Tell us about that in regards to your career. Um, you know, 
I have taken on jobs that are hard. Um, you know, and especially since coming to LA, I really wanted to um, thrive here, wanted to grow here. I came here for a reason. I wanted to be, you know, top of my game for myself, for my own validation. Um, and I have gone through the gamut of working for different groups and not working hard for the right people. Um, and, but I just, someone said to me that, uh, someone that I really admire, uh, said to me one day, you know, Chantal, one thing I, I really respect about you is you just keep going. You don't let things kick you in the butt and you just lie down and die. You're like, get up, do it. What, what's next? Okay. How do I fix this? What do I do? What do I need to do? Um, and for me, I even took a detour of a year just off. You know, I had, um, worked for a couple of years at different studios. And I thought, okay, this isn't quite what I expected when I got here. I'd come from Vancouver, and my my efforts, I felt, were generally pretty rewarded. I worked hard, and you know, I don't always get along with everyone. But, um, you know, in leadership, you have different mindsets. But I think overall, it was I had pretty good relationships. And then coming to L.A., it was sort of a bit more shark-infested shark waters than I had anticipated. Um, and I needed to sort of step aside for a minute and reset and take stock. And so I took a year off and I went, okay, if I didn't have to think about money, what would I do? Um, and I went, I love music. Music is always a through line for me. I met a guy who knew a guy who was working in, um, who did prosthetics for this band called Ghost, uh -huh. um, um, who I was a big fan of. And I met him at a photo shoot and I said, hey, do you have a producer? Um, and he said, no. I said, do you want one? I'll work for cheap. And so I went and worked for this chain smoking guy um, in a smelly warehouse for a year while I figured out what I wanted to do. I was going to take a year sabbatical, but I was like, no, no, I can't do that. I got to I got to do something with this time. So persistence for me was just basically keeping myself mobile. Um, you know, it's about for me just yeah, just keeping moving, not letting life pass you by. But just diving in, even if it made, I, I made $500 a week working for this guy who's just, you know, he was a talented artist, but he was not the nicest guy. It was quite, it was quite a, quite an interesting experience uh, that I hadn't had in a long time. It was very humbling, but I got a chance to work on a project that was like not for money. It was just for fun and to keep myself aware, agile, moving, not lying down. I knew that if I took too much time, to just be with myself inside my own head, it probably wouldn't be the best thing for me because I'm definitely an overthinker. And so I thought if I can keep moving but not have it be so taxing um, in terms of just always focused on my career path. Instead, it was just, what do I want to do for fun? What's kind of neat that I haven't done yet? You know, and so that was part of, that was part of the persistence of it all. You know, it's, it's just staying above ground. <laughs> All right, so I have a I have a question that I know the people want to know. I can I can feel the people behind me. <laughs> the ask people, this sure. What did the warehouse smell of? What did it smell like? Wow, that is a question. Um, it was pretty hardcore. It smelled <laughs> of chemicals and chemical cigarettes. Um, at times it smelled of despair. Maybe that was mine. Um, and I was as I was cleaning toilets. Um, you know, making no money driving to the middle of nowhere, picking up chemicals uh, in some really scary places for a woman to be. Uh, and I came home every night staking like cigarettes and chemicals. It was, it was gross. 
but I did get to watch some incredible art being made. And I'm an art fan, I'm a, I'm a music fan, I'm an art collector, but it stunk. Um, I would prefer uh, now to um, see that all happen from afar. Um, and I definitely recommend wearing a mask. Now, the people know, the people have got the answer. <laughs> all right, so let's go, let's go to the, the last piece of, of uh, your mindset, your success mindset, which is yeah. shine shift. So specific to your career, how did this play into your success? Well, when I realized that I wasn't thriving at, at one of the bigger companies I'd worked for, that was kind of my dream company to work for, um, I'd gone in with this ambitious, oh my gosh, this is a dream. I've achieved this dream. I've done it. I'm here. This is going to be amazing. Um, I got in and I realized after, you know, a couple of years at it, this really wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be. Um, I tried every different angle to improve, you know, I'd improved myself, I'd improved my environment, I'd done everything that I could, um, but I just, again, wasn't working for the people who really recognized what I wanted, what my value was. Mm -hmm. um, and interestingly enough, one of the executives at the company came up to me one day, and he was a, a strategic executive, and he said, I want you to look at something. And he, he sent me um, the Netflix deck which I don't know if you've read it, but it's it's really quite quite fascinating um, in how they approach um, performance. Um, I won't go into it because, you know, I can't talk about that stuff, but you can find yeah. it online. Mm -hmm. um, but he said, I think you're going to really connect with, with um, this particular mindset. And I went, ha, oh, hallelujah. Yes, I do. It's, you know, performance is is important. Curiosity is important. All of these things that I had in me innately um, were represented in this particular deck about this company. Mm -hmm. um, and it just so happened that they were starting up an animation studio and I got super revved up and I went, okay, I've done all that I can. Mm -hmm. I want to work at that place because they and I share a common vision. And so I shifted and I have moved on and, and ended up at Netflix and working now here for almost two years uh, in adult animation. Um, and I'm working on something that, you know, I love creatively as well as professionally. And um, the fact that I've actually been able to, to continue working during the pandemic and building the show out has been sort of something that's made me feel really great inside. I can do this. I can do this. Like, again, security, illusion. However... You know, um, while that may be, I'm constantly motivated. All right. So we got two final questions for you. Uh, one okay. is, is going to be on a topic. The other one's a fun one. Okay. All right. So what advice, like really clear directional advice, could you offer to someone in their career where they're feeling stuck and they're just like, I, I just don't know my path forward here? What advice would I give them? Mm-hmm. So for anyone who is feeling stuck in their current situation, I would say know that you don't have to remain stuck, um, that there are so many resources that you can explore um, of anything. that There could be anything in the world that interests you, and you, there are resources to explore what those things might be. You know, just dig in on, look at who's doing something that you love. And as an example, okay, what's your favorite television show? Do you want to be, a, do you want to work in television? Okay, what's the production company that's doing that? Who might you be able to get to know? 
Um, I don't, I, you know, I know that LinkedIn is not really like it's, I get a million requests from LinkedIn every day of people wanting to connect, but I still look at those when people reach out to me and I do my best to still connect with them. So I would say reach out to leaders in your community in areas that are of interest to you and pitch yourself to them. Um, many of the jobs that I've gotten over time are because I pitched myself, mm-hmm. you know, not because I necessarily knew I was the right person for the job, but I knew that I wanted to do it. And I knew if you give me a chance, I could do it. So I have been the first person to write, like, you know, I hone my craft in writing and I would, le- I would reach out and write something to, to a team leader. Sometimes it would, it would pass through and no one would pay any attention to me, but other times people would recognize, okay, this kid has a spark. Um, But just, I think the most important thing is to know that you don't have to stay stuck, Mm -hmm. that you, you just need to keep going. Yeah. I love that. All right. Last question. Top three dark gothy records that you would suggest to people. Oh man, essential goth albums. I mean, it sounds so cliche because these records are so obvious to so many of us who love this music. Um, but I'm going to say Bauhaus uh, in the Flat Field, The Cure, Disintegration. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And Joy Division, Closer. Brilliant albums, essentials, must haves. Oh, very, very good. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I have a fantastic taste. All right. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining us uh, for this episode. Is there anything you want to say as we're closing off? Um, I would just say thanks for having me here. I'm really excited that you are doing what you're doing at Cadence. I, you know, I'm really a fan of, of you as a human and the message that you put out there um, for your company and the, the group that you put together. Um, and I would just say, you know, just generally to your audience, like, just keep going. These are crappy times, um, you know, for many people. Um, they've been really hard times and it's hard to watch people go through the struggles that they have, but we will persist. And I honestly believe after this all comes about, we'll be an artistic renaissance. So if you're at home and you are, you're not working and you're stressed, channel that energy into art. Just keep going. Every single one of us has creativity within us. Don't let anybody tell you that you don't. Each and every person is creative. Put energy into art. That's what I would say. Excellent. I love that. Fantastic advice, fantastic feedback. And everyone, just keep going. I know it sounds like, oh, what does that mean? Sounds cliche, well, it, but... <laughs> yeah, but it means it means whatever you make it mean. Like, make meaning out of that. Just keep going. Uh, so, Chantel, thank you so much for your time today. This was an incredible conversation. Everyone, when people talk to you about mindset, I'm going to tell you, like, I hear this all the time. Like, mindset, it's always so vague. This all caps approach is so killer. Like, I think it's just a great framework to use to center yourself in, am I being curious? Am I agile? Where's my performance? Where's my persistence? And am I shining or am I shifting? So one more time, Chantel, thank you so much for joining us. Totally my pleasure. I'm glad to be here today. Awesome. All right, everyone. We'll see you in the outro. And Dave, drop the beat. That was a great conversation. And thank you so much, Chantel, for sharing your story and your wisdom. You know, success mindset, 
I talk so much about mindset and you know, how we can push ourselves into these different areas. It's so cool to hear a different take. It actually helped me reframe um, some of my own thinking around this. You know, at the end of the day, you're responsible for the energy and the thought patterns that you bring to your work. You know, like, are you going to look at things as a barrier or are you going to look at them as an opportunity? Are you going to view things through fear or are you going to view them through hope? There's not a right or wrong. It's about whatever works for you. Chantel's ideas were really uh, just super inspirational and got me excited about how I can apply them to my own day to day. And the thing that I encourage everyone is don't go on autopilot. Know what gets you to the next step and make sure that mechanism works for you. If it does, great. You know, maybe you can evolve it and retool it here and there. But if it doesn't, or if you don't have anything at all, then Chantel's given us some really great steps of how we can push our thinking into that next space. So as we're wrapping up, I'd like to remind everyone that we are produced by Patrick McKechnie, edited by Dave Larson, and our design is done by Tammy Levy. And if you have any suggestions for the show, people you think we should talk about, ideas that you want us to touch on, please get in touch through our website. And then until then, I will see you next time on One Step Beyond. One step.